MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, here we go. Pac-12 fans, this one's for you. Put your hands up, This is the Pac-12 Apostles. Keeping it real. And only the truth lives here. Pac-12 Apostles. Imagine a world where one of the greatest college football players of all time does not get into the College Football Hall of Fame. Well, the new ballot is out, and we'll see if it happens. NIL is taking a new turn. College football trading cards are a thing and they will be coming to a store near you. Um, Lincoln Riley made some comments, but is USC really as far down the road as people think? Guaranteed success. Ray Anderson ends up in a little bit more hot water. And the Devontae Neal murder case. Boy, oh boy. Wild. Um, I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amsden. And this is the Pac-12 Apostles. So we will start, though, with the College Football Hall of Fame ballot, Ralph. And as I looked at this, I was like, okay, we have a few players from USC and Jeff Bregel, Reggie Bush, Mark Carrier from, from USC. You have... Uh, from Oregon, you have LaMichael James and Haloti Nada, Stanford running back Toby Gerhardt, Cal tight end Tony Gonzalez, which I'm surprised. I mean, he's played for so – he finished playing so long ago. I'm actually surprised that he was not in the College Football Hall of Fame already. And that – oh, UCLA kicker John Lee – Ryan Leaf. Ryan Leaf. Yep. Marshawn Lynch. Um, And that, oh, Ken Norton Jr. Very surprised. Are you you surprised that he's not in the Hall of Fame already? Very much so, Like being that he's so old. Ron Ron Rivera. 
he played at Cal. Uh, Matt Russell, even though, I mean, I guess he's technically not a Pac-12 guy uh, because he was at Colorado and they weren't in the conference at the time. But Alex Smith, Utah, they weren't in the conference at the time, but now they are. So we should include them. And Eric Weddle and uh, Luis Zendejas from Arizona State. So out of those players, who do you believe deserves to be in the college football hall of fame? How many get, how many get in? Is it just people who finish over a certain threshold? Okay. So players. Okay. So players must have played their last season of college football within the last 50 years. So now it's 73 or later and players who are playing professionally and coaches who are coaching on the professional level are not eligible until they retire. So mm-hmm. I so so I guess that makes more sense as well. Um it doesn't say right here how many people are so there's n- nine coaches from the FBS, 96 players and 33 coaches from the division ranks who are on the ballot. Don't know how many people get get in, but who should for sure Get in. I, I think we're we're past due on Mark Carrier. Okay, but but I'm saying out of the players on the on the list, because in addition to on the list, you got people like Flozell Adams, Eric mm-hmm. Berry, um, you know, Kijana Carter, right. Dallas Clark, Tim Couch, Ken Dorsey. Like there's a lot Dwight Freeney. I mean some, some some of these guys are obviously bigger names for what they did in the NFL. Marvin Harrison. Like there're dudes on this list. Steve Hutchinson, one of the greatest guards of all time. Yeah. Like so how do you, Brady James? Like there's Luke Keekley. There are dudes on this list. So, but just out of the Pac-12 guys alone, who do you think deserves to absolutely be on this list? I well d- deserves to get in immediately. Yeah. Well, like I said, Mark Carrier's overdue. He's a Jim Thorpe Award winner, um, and he led the the Pac-10 in interceptions in 1989 when he won the Jim Thorpe. Plus, he had another season where he was All American and All Conference. So to me, like that's one of the ones where it's like, all right, so you're saying the top defensive back in the nation uh, who was an All-American twice isn't in yet? And I I get, you know, I get having Tony Gonzalez and Reggie Bush on here. Like those are, of course, you know, no no brainers. But to me, that's that's one of the ones where I'm like, okay, well, like this, this if we're prioritizing who should get in. It's somebody who we're 35 years removed from being the best defensive back in all of college football. I I agree there. I also agree. I believe that LaMichael James should be in two time first team All-American because 12 win seasons. Yeah. Doak Walker award winner, two time first team all conference finished third in the Heisman voting. Yeah, it. Yeah, so and went to the national championship game. So, uh, like, two-time All-American, I think, puts you in there, especially if you win any of the major awards. 
But, so you're so what basically what you just outlined for LaMichael James, though, would mean that you're saying Ryan Leaf needs to be correct in because they, they have different positions, different eras, but very similar resumes. They both finished third in Heisman voting. Um, Washington State won the league with him at quarterback and went to the Rose Bowl. Uh, and then he was all Pac-10 twice. Yeah, but but he's only got one All-American. One one All-American right. com- com- compared to two. And when you look at Reggie Bush, here is how they described Reggie Bush in here. Two-time first-team All-America. That that should get you in. Um, in 2004 and 2005, Walter Kemp Player of the Year and Doak Walker Award winner. And we all know that uh, – and two-time Pac-12 Player of the Year award and back-to-back national championship. Do you notice an omission? <laughs> that's that's bullshit, to be honest. Yes, Heisman winner. So right. Reggie Bush should absolutely be in this. It, he should have he should have coasted in, correct? Two-time yeah. All-American, Doak Walker, Walter Camp, Heisman winner, two-time conference player of the year, back-to-back national championships. What are we even talking about? Right. Well, then you got, you got, you got Marshawn. How do you feel? I feel kind of weird about Marshawn because he didn't necessarily get to do everything that he could have done because he was splitting carries with Justin Forsett and playing behind JJ Arrington. Correct. The, the people forget I like that there are people who who should be in prior to to him. Like I would even and I know that some people are going to be like, no, what are you talking about? I'm going to go so far as to say that Toby Gerhardt should be in before Marshawn Lynch because he was he unanimous All-American Doak Walker Award winner. Runner-up in the Heisman Trophy, led the nation in points and touchdowns and rushing yards, and was the uh, Pac-12 Player of the Year and Stanford's all-time leader in career rushing touch- touchdowns. So, yeah, he should be in. Do you ever think about how how, how the hell 2004 Cal managed to lose two games? Bro, when they yeah. had Aaron Rodgers, J.J. Arrington, Marshawn Lynch, Justin Forsett, um, and Deshaun like, Jackson. Did they have Deshaun Jackson yes, on that team? Yes, he was team? a freshman, I believe. <laughs> Holy hell! Holy hell! What a team! And they lost a one touchdown close game, nail biter to USC, and then they lost their bowl game against Texas Tech. But this could. Oh, sorry, Deshaun got there in two thousand five. I apologize. Oh, okay. But even oh my god, that just the the slate of of running backs. Um, what do you think about Haloti Nada? He was better in the NFL than he was in college, but he was a damn good college player. Okay, here is what I know about Haloti Nada because Haloti was at Oregon when I was there, and Haloti couldn't practice some of the time. They literally, we couldn't let Haloti practice. Um, I I was in the NFL at the uh, time, but by the time he was a junior, they would have to sit him out of some stuff in practice because nobody could block him. 
Nobody could block him. Oh my god, <laughs> dude, dude! It was it, it it it's like Aaron Donald. Like he was Aaron Donald in college. He blocked like five or six kicks as a freshman. He was just bully, just he was just knocking people out of the way. It, it was it was silly. It was absolutely silly how phenomenal that this dude was. I mean, it was it was crazy. So I just I just want to I want to jump backwards in time a little bit to talking about 2004 Cal because the only game they lost in the Pac-12 was to USC. It was 23-17. This was the stat line. This is what Harrison Smith and the Cal defense did to USC's offense. Are you ready? Okay. Reggie Bush, eight carries for 23 yards, one catch for six yards. Lendale White, 11 carries for 52 yards, two catches for 10 yards. Whoa. Matt Leinart, 164 yards passing, two touchdowns and an interception. That's a And Cal lost. They lost. How the hell did they lose? And they they almost rushed for 200 yards in this game. We should have been talking about a 2004 Cal National Championship. Yes, for sure. (laughs) For sure. They definitely should have been in that in that mix. Um, There is the Eric Weddle, 2006 first team All-American. Part of that 12 and 0 season in 2004, led by Alex Smith, who was a first team All-American, fourth in the Heisman voting. Yeah. SI, SI National Player of the Year. Like I need to read the criteria for for getting in because all of these dudes had stellar careers, but the ones that just stick out to me immediately are about our guys that were multiple time All Americans or when you win national awards. I I, I think that that kind of puts you a leg up above everybody else. Oh, for sure. And that, and that's, I mean, that's why above, above anyone, you know, I'm, I'm plugging a safety from the eighties from USC, but I will say that Eric Weddle, it's tough for me to get as excited because, um, that's back when Utah was in the mountain West and, and I would, I would push harder for him if that was, if that was a pac 12 season, I'm, I'm pretty sure, but he was fantastic. That whole team was fantastic. He deserves recognition, just not above some of the guys you mentioned, or, you know, Michael James, Ryan Leaf, um, and everybody else. All right. One one more player that is on this list that feels like a crime. Um, okay, so 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 Tim Tim Tebow is on this list. He's obviously deserves to get in because when you win a Heisman Trophy, I think that even if you were never an All-American, any other credential doesn't necessarily guarantee you in, but Heisman should guarantee you in the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. Okay. So, Peter Warwick. Yeah. Peter Warwick. I was I was wondering if you were going to go with Peter Warwick or Simeon Rice. Because to me, that that I I I'm not surprised you went with Peter Warwick, though. Yeah. Um Peter Peter Warwick was so incredible, dude. And he was so impactful. And if he didn't get in trouble, he would have won a Heisman trophy. Yeah. Yep. And um, I would say also uh, it deserves a mention on here. I mean, everybody on here is is good and, and is on here for a reason. You, got, you know, Julius Peppers, who should be the, the dual sport Hall of Fame. Um, Kellen Moore, who, you know, had one of the most exciting runs. I think he won like 50 some games, 54 games as a college quarterback or something like that. But uh, 
the guy who, when I look at Drake London, this is who I see, Herman Moore. Do you remember Herman Moore? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. of course. He he had 2,500 yards receiving at freaking Virginia. <laughs> what? See, I didn't really pay attention to Herman Moore, to be honest, until he got to the Lions. Well, and then nobody paid attention to Herman Moore on the Lions except for on Thanksgiving. <laughs> no, not, fair enough. Fair enough. So we we will see who gets in, but but if Reggie Bush is slighted by the College Football Hall of, Hall of Fame, somebody needs to get. They need to run by <laughs> and slap everybody's faces at the same time. I asked a College Football Hall of Fame employee when I went out there in 2015. Was the I think I've been there twice. 2015 was the first time that I toured the facility, and they have a Heisman on display. And I asked an employee there if it was Reggie Bush's Heisman, and they did not reply. <laughs> Hey, that's probably part of the training. They're like, "Yo, is this Reggie Bush's Heisman?" Uh, I don't, I don't know. It's the, uh, it's the unnamed Heisman. They say ne- never heard of her. <laughs> um, there, there's some lady named Baby Ruth who has <laughs> that's Heisman. the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so college football is going to have trading card action soon. And I absolutely love it, Ralph. I love this part of NIL. Uh, players having trading cards, that that just means that there is additional sources of revenue for mm-hmm. them. We know that there's a lot of uh, things going on. I'm super excited. Are you excited? Oh, yeah. Not only am I excited, I'm mad that it didn't happen a couple years earlier because, like, you know how sick it would have been to have, like, a Sabrina Ionescu jersey patch autograph? Oh, my God. Yes. And they could obviously they could do some of that stuff retroactively. Um, But, I mean, there's going to be some Pac-12 athletes outside of football that I'm going to be really excited to see if, if they're included in this. The interesting news is that some of these players signed NIL deals to kind of be cover models or be promoted by tops. One of them is Caleb Williams um, at USC who came over from Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley, even though Lincoln Riley will tell you that he didn't. And uh, the other is Bo (laughs) Nix. Former Auburn quarterback, former five-star quarterback, Bo Nix, who, as far as I know, isn't... He's not like, named the starter yet. Yes. So, right. like, but Top's betting indi- on Bo Nix is pretty wild to me. Yeah. Um, but all indications are that he's probably going to be the starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. And of more than 150 schools in, and current and former athletes have signed on, and they've signed deals with over 200 individual student-athletes um, so Alabama's in Georgia, Kansas, Kentucky, Oregon, Texas A&M. Those are the types of schools that are in. As, do we know, as well. do we know which PAC 12 schools are not currently part of this? Because I know there was some trepidation the other day when I found an article that said that, uh, Arizona state and USC are Correct. not part of the CLC licensing agreement. Yes, for automatically the video game. part of NC with a re-release of the NCAA video game. Which is it, that is silly. That's silly because the video game is going to be so big that not including it would be would be a problem. Like like that would be a major major mistake by not putting. Um, by not if you're USC and your brand not being in it, oh my god, dude, 
it, it is it is a that would be a complete net negative for their branding. I only found out about ASU and USC because University of Tulane made waves by saying that they were not going to be part of it until they could reach a better deal. And I was like, what the hell kind of leverage does Tulane have? And then I, so I ended up clicking on the article and then I saw that any school that's not part of the CLC. So we're talking about like uh, Notre Dame as well, not not being included on the current list of teams. So I wonder which teams, um, which teams are not part of this trading card thing, because that would be a huge bummer to, to leave out. Um, and I know it's probably just going to be football, but it would be really cool if they could include some other iconic athletes at, at different schools. Um, that, that would be huge. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I'm already in like, take my money mode. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I, I, when, when we were sitting right here, I Googled to see when the date was going to be, when they drop, it just says fall. But there, but there's already score, score and hit. Do you ever collect score and hit like that that come out um, right around the time of the the draft? That oh, already yeah. have they, yeah, but they yeah, like yeah. take people's college jerseys and erase the names. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I, I have one of them up up here above my head somewhere. Um, I mean, literally, because I have of one, one of your football cards. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, you, are you for people who don't know, you have your jersey, uh, your Jacksonville jersey, and then you have jersey. Yep. Yeah, some of the trading cards, but the one you don't have is there's a trading card out there that where you were wearing number forty eight. No, no, I do. I do, you have that I one there? Have, yep, it's right there. It the one right where there. the bad angle one that makes it look like you're the Walter the Fridge Perry or whatever. Yes, <laughs> yes, dude. <laughs> It looks awful. I'm like, God damn, that's a 380-pound fullback. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, on, a, on a side note, I just got an alert on my phone that there is a sriracha shortage, and it's going to last all summer. So, uh, Let's so, lo- uh, lose some weight on accident. I got a, on, a, on a double side note, um, on a double chin note, uh, I got a notification that our one-year weight loss challenge kicked off a year ago today. Okay, so so where where are you at on the weight loss challenge? <laughs> I lost six pounds this year. <laughs> hey, the hey. goal was the goal was one hundred. Okay, which okay. was which was completely unrealistic. It's like that that would that would have been like freshman year of high school. But okay. that was try, I was trying to shoot. What what's that really terrible saying? Shoot for the moon end up in the stars yeah even though the stars are literally like millions of miles billions of miles further than the moon yeah yeah that's what i was going for okay so so i have lost about 17 pounds since then um but yesterday was the first day of day yesterday was day one for me in terms of because about a week ago I made a decision, a personal, like it was weird. Like it was, I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't like, it, it was just a, like my body was like, I got to do something different and I got to get back in shape. I took my ass to yoga yesterday and was like, yo, I'm going to do it. And you, I, and you almost didn't come home. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> because the, the, the yoga studio, that's very convenient for me. Um, it got sold to a hot yoga studio. And so I was like, 
I've done hot yoga. I'm just going to sign up for it. Pay my pay my money. I paid for an entire year. I didn't. I'm not paying. Oh, damn. Mostly. I just paid for an entire year. So then I would be shamed if I didn't go. Right. So and I was like, OK, I'm going to go. I went the first day. Dude, it, it was death. Like I all I could hear was Kobe Bryant in my head saying, do not negotiate with yourself. You said that this is what you're going to do. I've changed the way I've been eating. And it's and it's because my body is like rejecting some of the things that I used to eat. Like I'm like, I don't even want that. Like my taste buds, like my body is changing its own taste buds. Okay. Because it's like you don't want to you don't want this to go any further because then it's going to be super hard to get back in shape. It's already going to be hard. And now there's no sriracha. Correct. But sriracha makes things taste better that you don't necessarily love to eat so much. All right. That's true. A little bit of sriracha on some cauliflower. Yep, exactly. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? 
Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, now, name, image, and likeness. This sparked a quote from Billy Napier over at Florida. You might, and you might say, okay, what does this have to do with the Pac-12? Well, here's the quote when he was addressing NIL. He said, it's a land with no laws and that the Gators plan to navigate. And what's the Gators plan to navigate it? I continue to believe that as every day goes by, NIL is going to be a slam dunk for the Florida Gators. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know if it's true, but I like the fact that he sat up there and was like, wait, wait, what? I don't, it, it ain't going to be, be no problem for us. We're, we're, uh, we are buying, buying into this. But this also makes me think about what's happening on June 17th or 19th, where you're going to have Jaden Rashada commit. And Florida's one of those schools, and he just went there on his official mm. visit. Tell us more about, about, about Jaden Rashada. His dad played at Arizona State, right? Yep. Okay. He was and trying he- to give Arizona State. He was, I'm sorry. He was trying to give his son to Arizona State. Give like like gift wrapped him. They yeah. they they had other plans, and then all the 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 mess came out, and they eliminated them themselves with all the drama and the potential sanctions. Coaches leaving everything. He was like, "Hey, it's a no for us." But but he was like, "I was trying to serve him up," and they didn't and they didn't want to eat Rashada. Because your son trains with uh, with Rashada and a few other quarterbacks. Yes. No, 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 no. He does not train with Rashada. He trains with the Aiden Childs kid. Oh, okay. Who just committed to Oregon State? Well, yeah, we'll get into that in a second. Right. But so, so Rashada is considered by many to be number two or three quarterback in the country coming. Yes. Out. Yes, right. I've seen him in person. He's technically still a four star, but that 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 feels criminally underrated to me because when you look at the player rankings uh, for by position and you look at quarter quarterbacks, right? So I've never, just like most other people, never put eyes on on Arc Manning, right? Right. So so I I can't say if he is, but. Some people that have seen him, they they swear this kid's the truth. I've seen Malachi Nelson multiple times. I've seen uh, Nicholas Iamaleva multiple times. Only seen Dante Moore on film. Have not seen the kid Jackson Arnold. Um, and then have not seen Christopher Vizina. And then there's Jaden R- R- Rashada. I have seen Eli Holston. In person, and then the number ten kid, Pierce Clarkson. I've seen him in person as well, and Avery Johnson. I've seen all, so I've seen a good bit of these kids in person. Some of them multiple times. Right now, out of all of those kids that I've seen in in person, I would put, um, I would put Jaden Rashada and Nicholas. I am I am Aleva at the top of the pile. And so, and I'm a is going to Tennessee. Who is yep. Rashada considering? Florida, LSU, and I think Texas A&M and, and Oregon. But 
But for him, I would venture to say this is not a quote from the family. This is not anything else. I just think that it's either going to be the SEC or Oregon, but probably the SEC. I have no idea where, though. So and we talk about so Billy Napier who was a one-time uh, offensive coordinator of Arizona oh, State. But, but but based on his social media, I'm thinking like it looks Florida-ish to me. Okay. So here's what I like about Billy Napier saying that like, look, at Florida, we're going to – like it, things are still up in the air, but we're perfectly positioned to figure this out. NIL, no matter what form it's in, is going to be a slam dunk for us. Like that's the kind of quote that people will eat up and brings you positive – um, it brings positive attention to your program, whether or not that's even true. And so that's what gets me so frustrated about guys like Ray Anderson and him saying that, that they're not going to get into the arms race of NIL. Um, or even like I, I read a, a quote from Washington AD Jen Cohen the other day, just expressing frustration at like Washington state ethics laws, keep them from being able to do some of the stuff that you can do if you wanted to in Utah. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I say at this point, because you don't know where the chips are going to fall with NIL, just lie. Just lie. It, it doesn't even have to be a lie. You could just say, like, I have the ultimate faith in our institution that once uh, politicians in the NCAA define the best way to move forward with NIL, that Arizona State University already a beautiful place to live and play football is going to be a great place to come and and build your brand and your image asu is ready for nil yeah it, and is that true certainly not based on the right. circumstances that we've seen of people being able to leave and cash in elsewhere one of which being ricky pearsall who went to university of florida but who gives a shit lie like you don't have good enough sense to just not tell the truth Oh, that, that, that's the reason. One of the reasons I'm so frustrated with Ray Anderson is because it costs you nothing to just say, "Yeah, we're going to be good at that." He does it about the football program, and it's probably not true. He lies about the football program every time he's asked. Oh, Herm Edwards is going to kill it here. We're in great position in 2022 to be even better than 2021. Like, pr- probably not, Ray. But like you said it, so why not say that about NIL as well? You are 100 percent right, bro. You are one hundred percent right. I, I I don't understand where the arrogance to be like, oh yeah, 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 I don't even need to comment on this. Yeah, we're fine. No, you're not fine. Everything is not okay. Everything well, is not okay. Since we brought up Ray Anderson, should we just get into this other weirdness? Yeah, yeah, uh, go on. All right, so. Of everything that went on with with Ray Anderson, one of the things that kind of got lost in the shuffle is uh, he is actually being sued by w- and the university is being sued by one of the former employees of the the athletic department. Um, so uh, the associate athletic director, David Cohen, who was let go by Arizona State um, uh, a few years back had filed suit and basically his claim was that like, hey, I, I actually tried to warn Arizona State that Bart Ware, one of our primary donors, was sexually harassing people, including Bobby Hurley's wife. And the school didn't want to hear about it. Ray Anderson didn't want to hear about it. And I felt like I got demoted and a bonus withheld because of it and then ultimately let go. So uh, 
the the hope from Arizona State this entire time is that David Cohen's lawsuit got thrown out as being frivolous or or having no merit. Um, but Pete Thamel reported last week um, incremental development this week in the ongoing litigation filed by a former Arizona State a state associate AD David Cohen, who is alleging wrongful termination by Arizona State and Athletic Director Ray Anderson for retaliation after repeatedly pointing out a booster's alleged harassment. A ruling this week paved the way for Title VII and Title IX claims by Cohen to move forward. This potentially clears the way for discovery phase, which could include depositions of prominent ASU athletic department members. Cohen's lawyer told ESPN we're pleased the court agreed with our legal analysis, and we expect that the Arizona Board of Regents, aka Arizona State, will be held responsible for the conduct of its donors and the protection of the ASU community, including its students. Um, and this all harkens back to um, th- th- this is the crux of their lawsuit that David Cohen told Ray Anderson that he was concerned about Bartware's attendance at an event where alcohol would be served. Uh, and that, in his opinion, Bartware posed as a danger to people around him when he consumed alcohol. Uh, and that his presence at the event put members of the ASU community in harm's way. Ray Anderson told Dave Cohen to stay away from the event if he felt uncomfortable. Now, these are all allegations. Okay. Um, David Cohen said that he discussed with uh, um, Associate Athletic Director Gene Boyd. Um, that he was displeased that Ray Anderson had not taken further action. Gene Boyd told Ray Anderson he was required to respond and report uh, Dave Cohen's complaint about Bart Ware. And Ray Anderson was again reminded of the plaintiff's complaint in June of 2019 um, when, when he was uh, informed that it was probably inappropriate to have taken a golfing trip with Bartware and other ASU employees in May after he had been informed. Um, Ray Anderson said he, uh, this is again, all allegations said that he would take care of Bartware's conduct. Um, and that, uh, that Dave Cohen said that he believed that his bonus structure and the alteration of his responsibilities were a retaliation for reporting Bartware's conduct. Um, they are also, um, uh, but, Ray Anderson is saying that Dave Cohen didn't report Bartware's conduct until three months after the basketball season. Um, but uh, Dave Cohen says he did it in the days after the Pac-12 tournament. Um, Ray Anderson asked Dave Cohen why he hadn't taken any action about Bartware himself. Uh, Dave Cohen told Ray Anderson that he did by reporting it to Ray Anderson. Um Ray Anderson is alleged to have said that neither Dave Cohen nor anybody else was going to tell him how or when to talk to a fucking donor. And then obviously yeah. uh, it came out that, um, that uh, Bobby Hurley accused Bart Ware of sexually harassing his wife. Yes. And so, Ray Anderson's response to that was to tell Bobby Hurley that they were only going to speak through lawyers from that point on. Dude, this has been a mess. I mean, at at this point in time, like what, like how much more, how much more, like dysfunctional can it can it be? Like, at what point in time does it stop making sense to have Ray Anderson as your athletic director? Ooh, uh, yeah, um. That that's a great question. Um, for for me, 
that would have been about at the point when your basketball coach and your AD are feuding over, um, you know, I think Bobby Hurley was upset that like after it was reported that this happened, that Ray Anderson went on a flight with uh, Bart Ware or something like that. Um, I think that would have been a good time to step in and address it. Um, those two have obviously found some way to make whatever relationship they have work because Bobby Hurley is still em- employed as is Ray Anderson, but that would have been that, that would have been my breaking point. That would have been a no tolerance thing of like, wait a minute, you knew this allegation was out there and then you're spending personal time with him. You can't, you can't do that. Um, and then obviously everything with, they just lost their softball coach to Texas A&M. They just lost their women's lacrosse coach to uh, Johns Hopkins. They just lost their lead basketball assistant. They, um, the women's basketball coach who is the most beloved coach at the school just retired. Um, you have the entire football program embroiled in scandal with half of the staff being fired for cause or leaving before they can be fired for cause. Um and then you have a former baseball coach who many people believe that Ray Anderson stood by for too long um, before firing him to hire Willie Bloomquist, uh, Tracy Smith, who is on Twitter every day bashing Ray Anderson. Yeah. Um, and so it just the level of dysfunction is is truly, truly incredible. And uh, and, you know, Michael Crow is doing what he did with Larry Scott and and standing by him, which is created, unfortunately, amongst the um, the the fan base of which I am one an incredible amount of just apathy toward the upcoming season, because there's a hopelessness that comes with, you know, the guy that the guy that poured gasoline on the bridge and, and lit it on fire is telling us that it's safe to walk across. Yep. Yep. Dude, it's he he is. And mind you, I feel conflicted, right? Because on one hand, you know, I like when we have, like, I think it's a good idea to have, you know, more diversity in coaching and in athletic departments, ADs, all of that stuff. But at some point in time, even as a black man, I'm like, yo, bro, like, you're not doing a good job. Like it, it's time to be replaced by 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 the best man for the job <laughs> because you're not the best man for the uh, the uh, job. But 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 that doesn't mean that he wasn't what people thought was the best man for the job at the time. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm, I'm yeah. saying that for this time, 2022 right now, he's not the best man for the job. My 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 issue with Ray Anderson has always been that um, that I felt very strongly that Ray Anderson as your athletic director meant more opportunities for people who would not have been considered otherwise, which was something that I was really uh, excited to see deployed at Arizona State. And with his most senior hire, it feels like he did the thing that he spent his entire life fighting back against, which was in, engage in an incredible amount of short-sighted uh nepotism um yes uh but then you know there's that there's that weird thing in me that like that also feels like the fight for equality and includes the fight to be equally corrupt right so (laughs) congratulations to ray anderson who reached the mountaintop and and has reserved the right to do the exact thing that 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 he swam against the stream uh against his whole life for sure um you have now we will see how long he's able to keep that job 
But um, Lincoln Riley over at USC, he is making some comments, but also the sentiment surrounding USC seems to feel like from their fans on their message boards, all of that, that everything is fine. Everything is headed perfectly, but that's not what I'm hearing on these streets in terms of their, their NIL, that it's not panning out for some of the players like they thought that it was like some of the players who transferred there, not Caleb Williams. His, his shit is secure, secure. (laughs) Um, But now with USC athletics, chief of staff, Brandon Sansa, who clearly played a big role in landing Lincoln Riley, he's leaving to go join the Detroit Lions. So, like, how secure do you think that USC is in their pursuit of, you know, quote-unquote being back? I think, I, think it's, I think it's sensitive. I think you probably had a lot of people pledge a lot. Right. And I, I think that there's probably a, a sensitivity there to like, but I want to make sure that that I'm getting something in return. You know, if, if this comes out and it's obviously a bust from day one, am I going to continue to fund the things that I said that I would? Um, you know, there's a rumor out there that like they're at, they're they're averaging, you know, well into six figures per recruit for the 2023 class. I don't even know where these numbers are are necessarily coming from. What I'm hearing is that they're promising stuff like that, but the actual delivery on some of the 2022 kids that they promised hasn't happened to the level that they said because they didn't actually sign deals. And now these kids are like, uh, I need this in paper. I need it in writing. And uh, yeah, so yeah, I I did find um, Lincoln Riley had an interview with Dennis Dodd on on CBSSports.com, and I was really curious to see what um, what you thought of this quote. Um, he said, "That's been the difference between this league and a lot of other leagues. What would the Big Twelve be in recent history if Oklahoma was down? What would the ACC have been if Clemson was down?" What would the Big Ten be right now if Ohio State was down for the last 15 years? Insert any league in there. Take Alabama out of the SEC the last 15 years. What does it look like? So the point that Lincoln Riley is making is that the only difference between the Pac-12 and everybody else, and I already want to insert myself into this and say, like, well, the other leagues didn't have to deal with Larry Scott, but, like, the the biggest difference between the Pac-12 and everybody else is that the brand-name marquee program over the last 15 years has been underperforming. Yeah. That is a fact. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So does does just hiring Lincoln Riley fix the problem? Because it seems like USC fans think that everything is fixed now. And I'm like, that's not it it is not it like like this is not the actual answer to your problems yet because as big as as much as they have capitalized on Caleb Williams transfer and also in that 2022 class they were able to get um uh the kid transfer from uh they got Oh, Lord. What's his name? Oh, they, dude, their list of transfers is bigger than their list of uh, of of everything else. So they got Jordan Addison. Jordan Addison, yeah. Which, by the way, he had something to say to Dennis Dodd about that, too. He said that um, uh, Dennis Dodd was like, did, did it take away the sting of, of the, the, the tampering chatter when Jordan Addison visited Texas and Alabama before landing at USC? And Lincoln Riley said, yeah, and the fact that nobody tampered also does. Yeah. Which, like, eyebrow raise. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. He he sounds like, you know, like Jimbo Fisher right now. Um, they got Jacoby Covington, Eric Gentry. Um, now... I like both of those a lot. Yeah. I think those are huge additions. The problem with this whole thing is, is that, yes, they got two defensive linemen. They got one from Kansas State. Oh, sorry, three. They got a kid from 
from TCU and an offensive tackle from Virginia. But aside from that, oh, oh and then Solomon Bird from Wyoming, who uh, went to USC. Now, I, I, he, I think he's an edge. If I remember from watching him, yeah. So I'm more, I'm more concerned about the the a gap for this yes, team. I really am. Exactly. And then in their high school recruiting class, they got nothing. Absolutely nothing that that doesn't amount to a seven on 17 and in 2023 in their recruiting class safety running back running back safety athlete wide receiver and quarterback um listen you can try to play seven on seven all you want to um but if you don't it doesn't matter. Like if you can't block up front, it doesn't matter. And if you look at Caleb Williams, would the jury is still out on on him? Anybody that thinks that that this is a surefire thing is sadly mistaken. Yes. Yes. I. It's just there. There's so much falling on. Um, on that defensive line, and I know that they've got talent. Corey Foreman's still there, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I I know they've got talent. Um, I think they went into 2021 with Jacob Lichtenstein fighting to be part of the um part of the uh, rotation, and he ended up being third on the team in tackles for loss, and he only had six. Now he's at Miami. Um, Drake Jackson's gone. They're the, as far as like guys who got into the backfield on this team, they're almost returning nobody. Yep. Can I Magua? It I, I think is with the Broncos now. So I, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be an adventure on that defensive line. If they're getting pushed off the ball, I don't know. It, it's, it's really comes down to, they have, um, uh, Tuli Tui Pulotu out of Lawndale High School, who had ten uh, the, has ten tackles for a loss in his career. The, That's who. The uh, whole point is that this roster is not a foregone conclusion that everything is okay. That's the uh, point. And and but but you, but but they might get away with it. They might get away with it because who in the Pac-12 has been stocking up to be able to. To have a a power run. There are there are two teams that that are more powerful than than USC. That is Oregon and Utah. But and they don't play right. Oregon. I'm you, Utah for sure, um, which is why I think Utah still has the advantage. And I think anybody picking USC over Utah in the Pac-12 South is insane. At They're going to have trouble with UCLA too. In, I in agree. Terms I of, agree. Of, of the running game part of it. But but. Does Oregon have the uh, uh, dynamic playmaking ability in the in the backfield? If those two end up meeting, you know, I know they have the push, but then oh, again, it in, might not matter. Because in, in, in the running back, yes, Oregon's running back room is better this year than it was last year, and and Oregon's best running back last year is on USC. <laughs> I do. I, I'm a hard disagree with. The, are you back Wait, to being a Travis Die hater? No, 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 no. It, it taking a no, year no, for me to bro, convert you, bro, bro, bro. The, the the kid from from um 
the kid from Western Michigan. I'm sorry, from Western Kentucky. Okay, yeah, is an absolute savage. Okay, is an absolute savage. And then the freshman kid from last year is going to be super, super good too. Um, I'm I'm going to be mad at Travis Dye if if it ends up being a because who's the who's the player that USC took from Colorado last year and then didn't even see the field. Oh, he was a receiver. Yeah, the problem is I don't even remember now. Like, if that ends up having a Travis Diet at USC, somebody's going to get lost in the shuffle. There's only one football, and it's going to be even more stressed and stretched if if the defense can't get off the field. Yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah, I'm 100 sure. with you that like anybody who is saying that USC is back, like maybe next year they'll deserve that benefit of the doubt. But right now. Utah is the bully. Yes, for, for for sure. For sure. They are the big bully on the block with the big stick. So, um, so yeah, I think that they need it, that they, that USC, that this feels fragile. Like as, as, like as all the great things are going, everything's going in the right direction. It, it is also built on a, in an absolute house of cards. House of yeah. Cards. So everything is going to have to be perfectly. Otherwise, they're going to be Texas every year. We're back. And their fans are going to run. Uh, they're going to be very upset with Lincoln Riley if they're not in the Pac-12 championship. They'll be okay this year because they'll be like, okay, it's fine. He, he's reloading. But if they're not in it in two this year and then next year, the fans are going to turn. Agreed. All right. Um, oh, now for people who don't know, there is a story with this man who played college football in the Pac-12, Devontae Neal. Ralph has the details on it, and he'll tell you what's going on. So Devontae Neal um, is a—he's a little bit before my time. Uh, as an Arizona high school football reporter, I was aware of him. He was, he, he's great. Many people consider him to be uh, one of the top five players to ever come out of the, the state of Arizona. Uh, you may know him, George, from his college commitment ceremony, making national news because when he was deciding between staying at university of Arizona, following his high school coach to Tucson, um, in Charlie Regal or taking an offer to go to play at Notre Dame, they set up a press conference at his elementary school so that he could commit at his old elementary school. So they filled the gymnasium with kids from that elementary school to be present so they could all show up on TV at his commitment ceremony. And he did not show up. What? Do you not, do you not remember this? No. Yeah, so they filled the elementary school auditorium with kids and they waited for someone who never came. And the the story at the time was he wanted to go to Arizona and his dad wanted him to go to Notre Dame and he basically on the way to the ceremony, you know, found his way out of a moving car to avoid being in that situation, but he ended up making the commitment, going to Notre Dame. He played a year there. He played uh in a I think a BCS playoff game as a punt returner. And then um, had a kid, moved back, and finished out his college career in Tucson. Um, for having that four or five star status, it, it didn't didn't pan out. Didn't end up playing in the NFL. Uh, 
he ended up an assistant back at the high school that he played for. And then in recent years was an assistant coach at Dobson high school where my wife went to school and then Higley high school, uh, which is, you know, produces a ton of college level athletes. And then this year as Charlie Ragel, who used to be the special teams coordinator at university of California, um, who was an expert recruiter of Arizona prospects, got the job at Idaho State, the head coaching job at Idaho State, uh, he brought Devontae Neal to be the defensive backs coach. And okay. so Devontae Neal was arrested in Idaho by Idaho police at the request of, I believe, the Maricopa County Sheriff's Office for a murder that took place in fall 2017, so four and a half years ago. Which would have been so that was the crazy part about it to me is that I didn't know when the murder took took place. It took place. Uh, and and what, what's crazy is I believe he was an assistant coach at Chaparral High School at the time. Um, and the murder occurred after Chaparral was knocked out of the playoffs later that night of the 2017 season. Now, I don't know if he was still an assistant on the team at the time. I don't know if he was even at the game. Um, but I do know that it happened that night is when the alleged um, the crime he is alleged to have committed took place. The family. So the, 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 the person who was killed, his name was Brian Burns. He was a um, co- uh, Mesa community college student and somebody who had a t-shirt business and he was from Michigan. He had moved to Arizona with his mother. He was found shot in his car. He, he died at the hospital the next day. And the family, the Brian Burns family, they they believed for the last four and a half years that Dante Neal did it. Devontae Neal did it. Yeah. How they be- how they came to believe that is not specified, but they have for at least the last four years believed that he was the perpetrator of the crime. And they must have come across some new like forensic evidence or, or, or something that led them to have the ability to make this arrest. And now Devontae Neal, on the heels of what should have been his first season as a college football position coach, um, is, is uh, in jail awaiting trial for murder. And what the family of Brian Burns is saying is a, is a death penalty case. Bro. Like... I- <laughs> So is he the only person that's being implicated in this? Uh, so far, yeah. Wow. And there's no nothing has been released to the media. There the, there's uh some people um that cover Idaho State athletics that have probably done a better job of covering this than 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 anyone. There's a few news stations down in Arizona obviously because he's been a um if you follow football in Arizona, he's been a household name for the last, you know, 13 14 years down there. Um, that there's some news stations down in Arizona that are covering it as well. And while they've managed to interview a couple of family members of the, um, of the, the victim there, there so far has not been any presentation of motive by the, by the police. Um, the, the indictment, uh, is currently sealed, I believe. Um, but we're talking about somebody who is one of the, who was recruited by every PAC 12 school and then ended up finishing his college career out starting, you know, three seasons for, for university of Arizona, um, who is now facing a a potential, you know, death penalty case, um, for murder. I, I, I hope it's, it's not true. I have people that I'm very close to who are very close to him, very close. 
and um and it's and and you know Charlie Regal is somebody that I know and respect as the head coach of of Idaho State and I reached out to him and he said you know he's just bewildered right now he had everybody seems to say that they had absolutely no idea so I think the family the, while the family was internally open about believing it, they all kind of kept to themselves. And one yeah. of the things that his aunt had posted on Facebook was they like they watched him, they watched him have all this success and build his life up the last few years with these suspicions, and and now it's all you know. Oh, so 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 he was already under suspicion for it for a long time, especially by the the, the family of the victim. They. Um, there there was one of the reports even included that uh the brother older brother brandon burns had seen Devonte neal at a mall um in uh in tempe and and had even approached him and asked him some questions just to see if he could get a feel for um why this might have happened without revealing that they that they suspected him um so it's been yeah it, for for years for at least the last four years they believe that Devonte neal was the perpetrator of, of of the crime that 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 uh took brian burns away from them sheesh bro absolutely sheesh that is wild dude like that is wild behavior like it and i don't know if we'll i don't i mean obviously we don't know if he's guilty or innocent or whatever but if this is true I, I, the, the, the why always is the thing for, for me. Like, why did you do this? Like, were there other options? It's like the, the, the rapper trouble just got killed and he was a a young woman had broken up with her boyfriend a few weeks ago. She was in the bed sleep with uh, him. He came in there punching her in the face and punching him in the face. And then he started fighting him back and then he shot him. So it's like, bro, like, I don't know, man. There has to be other options in these situations. But uh you got no, but do you have anything else to add on it? Uh on on that particular story, no. Um, but I do have an update. On the JT Shrout, does anybody care tracker? Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. 
If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, yes, yes, okay. So on our last podcast, which came out two weeks ago, we pointed out that one person had tweeted about JT Shrout since April. We're talking about a former SEC quarterback who is slated to be the starting quarterback of University of Colorado and just the overall apathy for this program uh, when you have tens of thousands of people sending hundreds of thousands of tweets about college football every single day that nobody is mentioning JT Shrout. And that it'd been like one time in three months anybody had mentioned his name. So we tweeted from the Pac-12 Apostles account. You can follow Pac-12 Apostles on Twitter. We just tweeted JT Shrout, just the name. And we said, uh, anybody anybody who uh, listens to this podcast that hears us mention JT Shrout, go ahead and favorite the um the tweet and the tweet actually got like 16 likes. People went back and found the tweet and, and favorited it, which made me laugh. Um, but the question was, would there be an uptick in conversation about JT Shrout? And the answer is yes, there has. We have moved from, <laughs> we have moved from one tweet about JT Shrout from people who are not us over a three month period to drum roll. Two tweets about JT Shrout. <laughs> That's a hundred percent improvement. Yeah, in the last two weeks, from people who are not us, um, somebody named Sam Teets, uh, Clemson 2020 graduate, uh, got a bachelor's in sports communication. Said stat of the day: seven of the twelve projected starting quarterbacks in the Pac-12 this season arrived at their current teams via spring transfer portal. And there's also JC JT Trout, who transferred from Colorado. So it was just a basic fact that he was uh, that that he was tweeting out. And then the other mention of JT Shrout came from NCAA Football Nation 24-7, a college football Twitter account. And it said, quarterback spotlight breakout watch, JT Shrout at Colorado. Shrout is a transfer from Tennessee. In his career, he's thrown for 494 yards, five touchdowns, and three interceptions. But it has only completed 53.6% of his passes. If he wins the QB1 job, he will need to improve his accuracy. Other than that, there's a few people that tweeted about JT Shrout because we did. But I have some good news, George. Okay. JT Shrout tweeted himself that he got an NIL deal with Blake Street Tavern, which I've been to. It's a great place. 
to, to, to get a brew, maybe go to watch a Rockies game afterward. Uh, he signed an NIL deal with Blake Street Tavern. He sent out a tweet promoting Blake Street uh, Tavern, and they gave him tickets to the Rockies game, and he tweeted from the Rockies game. So JT Stroud has tweeted more about himself or an equal amount than anybody else has <laughs> in the last two weeks. Okay. All right. Well, listen, he's moving in the right direction, clearly, right? <laughs> we will we will we will keep on this important Pac twelve news, the JT Shroud Does Anybody Care Tracker. Hey, 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 he's kind of he, he's kind of jacked for a quarterback. I, I I I'm just hoping he does literally anything positive so that that we can get some hype behind this Colorado football program because it it part it's not just Lincoln Riley's quote about like well take any of the other leagues and take out their best um their best school and 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 that would be what you have in the Pac-12 like no there's a couple of schools in the Pac-12 that like literally no one ever talks about one of them is Stanford. <laughs> yep. Another one is, is Colorado. And we're in like serious jeopardy of, of like an Oregon state and a Washington state falling into that mix. And if it wasn't for major scandals, Arizona state might be there too. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, and the last thing that I wanted to bring up is, and we could talk more about this on the next um, episode, but um, John Wilner kind of get did an interesting dive on the Pac-12 media rights and how the Big Ten negotiations are going to impact uh, George Kleokoff's leverage because obviously the Big Ten who gets up who will re- renegotiate their second deal just like the SEC re- renegotiated two deals in between the time the Pac-12 was locked into a, what turned out to be an awful contract and the thing that concerned me, but it actually made sense because I actually believe him now is that he was like, well, the good news is, is that we own a hundred percent of, of nothing right now. We, we, instead of us owning, you know, 50% and being locked in there. Now we have more flexibility, which, which makes a lot of sense, but you guys are going to see the PAC 12 likely on CBS, NBC, in terms of football and basketball. And then uh, the Pac-12 networks are probably going to be strictly a streaming service, which may get their services sold to like ESPN plus for the Olympic sports. And then, but for the rest of it, you may either get a lot of Pac-12 on Fox, a lot of Pac-12 on ESPN, or because if the big 10 takes all of their stuff to Fox and their properties, like the SEC has done, that is the best case scenario for the Pac-12. Because now you have CBS and NBC who who want more football because NBC yeah. wants to expand. And I actually think that that is the thing that Colin Coward was alluding to as it related to USC. Because I think that USC is going to try to sign an individual deal with with NBC or, uh, or some other company, the way that Notre Dame has, because Notre, because NBC loves the Notre Dame brand, USC and Notre Dame, like that would actually increase the value of their USC Notre Dame game and ensure that they always get it. Like I, I think that, and then uh, the PAC 12 would actually have more leverage with ESPN. If that happens, 
mm. and with C- CBS as as well. Because the SEC is going to take up all the oxygen on on the ESPN networks and the AC uh, and ABC, but there's some more room if the Big Ten is completely off of ESPN. Well, I I hope that some of the octogenarians that haven't uh, changed the channel from CBS in the last twenty years. Um, and have helped make every version of NCIS the number one show just because they can't change the channel, uh, ready for some uh, Pac-12 social justice initiatives. <laughs> coming to a coming to a tube TV near you. No, you are 100% right. Dude, dude, yeah, but they would have to get over it, right? Right. Just like everybody hey, else has. Let's uh let's close out with uh with, with, give us a little update on this uh this Oregon State quarterback commit that just came down the pike. Okay. All right. So So you have Aiden Childs. He plays at Downey. Kids about 6465 almost. Rocket arm. He is a good athlete, but he's not a runner. Like you like he is a very mobile quarterback, but he's not a runner. He's got big, broad shoulders, slings the ball a country mile. He's every single thing that you are looking for in a quarterback. Every single thing. He comes from a good family. He's a hard worker. He's a leader. And I remember when he was asking me about what school that he should go to, because Oregon State was kind of the first uh power five school that was on them. Hawaii was interested, San Diego State, few other places, San Jose State, few other places. Oregon State got on board with Jonathan Smith. Washington followed Oregon, a bunch of other places, Kansas State, like a lot of other places. He asked me what I thought about all of these places. Now I said why because he took an OV to Washington as well. I was like, yo, Washington, uh, Kalen uh, DeBoer, obviously he did a good job with Jake Hayner last year, but we don't know fully how he's going to re- respond in the Pac-12. I was like, but there's no problem with going to Washington. They have a great fan, fan base. If they can get everything together, just just fine, right? Um, he asked me about Jonathan Smith. I was like, this dude is really really good at offense he's he's a good good leader look at what he's turned like he turned a dumpster fire into you better bring your hard hat (laughs) and and you know like you may out talent us but but if you don't bring your but if you don't bring at least like if you're way more talented than us and you bring anything less than your b game you could get knocked off that that day like they they don't just get their doors blown off. They are super competitive and you will be ready to go to the NFL and make sure. And also. You don't want to always go with, with with people who just are there when you are there for the good times like mm-hmm. and Oregon State showed up earlier than a lot of other people and. You know, I've been a big believer in Jonathan Smith because obviously I didn't think that Lincoln Riley was available for USC. But who did I say that USC should throw all of their money at? Jonathan Smith. 
Yeah. Yes. No, we did. We, we, we said that, uh, we went back and forth on Whittingham and Smith being the guy, uh, for, for USC and you, you, you never wavered. I think you, you, uh, changed your mind on, uh, on Whittingham, but you never wavered on Smith. Well, well, I just didn't think that Whittingham was, was, was going to be available. Like, I mean, every, I still do believe that everything is for sale. Everything ain't on sale. So, but, but for Whittingham to come to USC, like the package would have had to be been better than what they gave Lincoln, Lincoln Riley. They would have they would have had to been like, listen, you need to move my entire house to to uh, to California. Park me next to a mountain. You know what I mean, like it, it's for sale. It just ain't on sale. It's just a matter of if you're mm-hmm. willing to pay that price. Well, that's all we got. All uh, right. shout, shout out to to Cal alum. Uh, Jalen Brown in pursuit of an NBA championship over the same region that he uh, uh, of the pro team where he played college basketball. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Not to mention the Oregon guy, Peyton Peyton Pritchard. Way to go, buddy! Thanks a lot. I'm <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I didn't even realize that Jalen Brown went to Cal. I thought it was a different Jalen Jalen Brown, which is crazy. But you know, well, yeah, because J- Jalen Jalen and Jaden. There's yes, like a, a six year period where literally every kid that was born had the long A in their name, and yep. most of them were Jalen's and Jaden's. Yep. So I, I, it's okay to make that mistake. Yep. All right. That's Pac 12 Apostles. Peace out. Catch you later. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.